0: Action Church, we doing well? Everybody doing okay? 44 people here on the floor at Winter Park. Come on, somebody in Sanford, South Orlando's doing great. The stadium's waking up. Come on, it's 1045. You've had a meal and a cup of coffee. We expect better from you in Jesus' name. Hey, um, I want to go through uh, what you got in your worship God today uh, for just a moment. Uh, we're sending out a video. I'm sending a video out this afternoon uh, highlighting uh, what we did last year with your expansion giving, our expansion giving last year, and then the three focuses we have for this year uh, when we will worship God through our sacrificial giving the second Sunday of December. And uh, getting that video, uh, team did a great job with it, and I really uh, want you to take a look at it. If you call Action Church home, Watch that video this afternoon, this week. It's 10 minutes. We can tell if you watched it. It's called a click rate. We can tell if you opened it or not. More importantly, the Holy Spirit can. And so you will be judged both by the team this week and for eternity based off of your involvement in that email. And so no pressure, but you may wanna check it out in between one of the games, halftime, press pause. We're all gonna make it. That was funny. I thought that was a little funny. First service liked it way more than you did, so you're clearly the problem. Here's the three things that we have, the three things that we have here uh, this year for uh, our expansion focuses. is We're gonna finish our, our Sanford renovations that are happening right now. What's happening in Sanford, I would have clapped there. You know, what's happening in Sanford is... Phenomenal. We're renovating our 10,000 square foot round building and we're moving our our children's uh, department, our action kids from the portables into the round building, state of the art, 10,000 square feet. That building will also be used for, for tutoring and mentoring and GED classes. All sorts of ministry partners will be in there. We'll be doing ministry really seven days a week there with their different partners and different outlets, building a brand new kitchen there to feed the homeless and families that need that in the Sanford area we're happening every single week there through our Sanford location. Redoing the bathrooms, come on somebody, we got a little more space and a brand new bathrooms. If you're in Sanford right now, you are praising God. You may be doing like a Jericho march right around the building right now in Jesus' name. I see you, God sees you, and you're getting a new bathroom in Jesus' name. And we are expanding, we are expanding the auditorium from 240 seats to somewhere between 425. The team the team corrected me. I said 450 because I'm a man of faith and a man of small chairs. And so we were building a 450 seat auditorium at our Sanford location. They'll be open really, really soon. And then the last, uh, we got two more, got ahead of myself. Uh, exciting announcement for one part of our, our family today, one specific part of our family. Oviedo is officially relaunching in January of 2021. It's gonna be amazing back at Haggerty High School, relaunching that location on January 24th, our anniversary weekend. We will turn seven as a church. It will be Oviedo's fifth year in existence and we're relaunching there. It's one of our focuses for expansion, both relaunching Oviedo and future uh, development in in a permanent site. So we'll use some of our expansion giving this year to not only relaunch Oviedo, but also set us up for the future as we continue to look for, for land and buildings in the Oviedo area. If you're interested in being on that relaunch team, with Oviedo, please contact Pastor Trent or Pastor Brian. You can find their information on our website. We'd love for you and your family, if you live in that area or are joining us online, to be a part of that Oviedo location. And the last one, uh, the third one, and these are in order of what we will do. And I wanna remind you at Action Church, uh, we don't ask you to give, we ask you to ask God, and we don't uh, set the pace, you do. At Action Church, we say we set the vision as the pastoral leadership, but clearly you set the pace through your giving. So the third thing, uh, depending on uh, our action or our expansion offering this year, we found land in North Seminole County for a new, uh, another permanent broadcast facility. And the reason we're so intrigued by it is it's right off of I-4, right off of State Road 46, and it's just over $100,000 per acre for 11 acres high and dry, which if you know anything about real estate in Orlando, that's a fraction of the cost. There's some areas where it's over a million dollars per acre. And so we really feel like it could be a God opportunity for our future in the next three to five years to build uh, another building there. And so that's just uh, something that we believe God's calling us to. But again, you set the pace. How can you play a part? And then I'll get out of the way uh, and let Pastor Bianca have the platform. I want the team to put on what we showed last year. Uh, our last year, our expansion offering. The the goal or the vision that God gave us to accomplish these projects was $4 million over two years. And when you talk about $4 million uh, as a church of thousands of people, you think that's, that's a big number and only people that are really wealthy can be a part of it but we studied the last three weeks very clearly that God is not as concerned with the size of the sample, but the size of the sacrifice, that it was two fish and five loaves that fed thousands and the miracles just kept happening because there was a faithful sacrifice of Andrew and the disciples and the little boy. And so what we did last year is we decided that we wanted to show the church Uh, everybody has a part to play. If You call Action Church home, you have a part to play in our expansion offering. And and last year, every single one of these numbers were hit. We we had a $500,000 gift, a $250,000 gift, but we also had hundreds of $100 gifts. And, And I believe that God is calling all of us to bring what we have in our basket to him so that he can multiply it and distribute it and help us continue to reach and connect people. Two things. One is, last year we challenged you, I want to challenge you again, that wherever you see the number that makes sense to you, to take one step higher, because that's not faith if it already makes sense to you. So begin praying about where you and your family fit in. And I want to challenge all of us. Last year we raised $2 million off of 536 gifts. And I want to break a record this year, in a COVID season, And I'm not trying to break a, a money record of $2 million. I want to break the 536, but I don't want to just break it a little bit. I, I want to see a thousand or more people give to expansion offering. If it's $5, $500, $500,000, it's not the size of the sample, it's the size of the sacrifice. And I believe God is asking us at Action Church Will we be mission-minded even in a season of uncertainty and unknown? Is eternity still in the balance? And can we bring to him what he's given us so that he can multiply it and distribute it? You believe that? You're excited for expansion offering? What God does through it every single year is unbelievable. We're excited about it. I'm also super excited to be done talking to you about money and introduce our guest speaker uh, this morning. Uh, pastor Bianca and Pastor Matt are with us uh, this weekend, and they are two of our closest friends of Action Church. We we do life together, we vacation together, and we're planting and leading great churches together. They have a phenomenal church in Orange County. You know Pastor Bianca from being an author, uh, social media, pastor, preacher, conference speaker, but we- we really know her is a great leader and a great friend, and so she's a friend of Action Church. She has an amazing word for you today. Could you stand to your feet at all of our locations to honor our friend, Pastor Bianca Oltoff.
1: Good morning, church. How are you? Oh, it's good to be in the house of God. Can we, can we thank Pastor Justin for keeping the church open in the middle of some crazy times? Can we thank the pastoral staff and Pastor Steph for just loving uh, the Sanford campus, the South Orlando campus, and even here in Winter Park? Welcome to church. Y'all could be seated. So, now, as Pastor Justin mentioned, uh, Matt and I have a char- started church planning two years ago. And um, you guys might know Pastor Justin as Pastor Justin but I know Pastor Justin as Coach Justin. Now, um, for those that are familiar with church planning, it's always great to have somebody who knows what they're doing go ahead of you. We planned through a network called ARC, and when we kind of raised our hand and said, I think we're crazy enough to do this church planning bit, they assigned Justin as our coach. And so um, I played sports my whole life. I played lacrosse and soccer and ran track. And so I love a good competition, but my favorite coaches, we're always the coaches that like yelled in your face and told you all the time, you suck, get your life together. And I'm like, you're right, I do, let's do this. And so Pastor Justin, AKA Coach Justin was like, perfect. You know, CrossFit, we have all these campuses, we're starting Veto again. Like that's the kind of coach you want in your corner, okay? So it has been so fun to have not just Pastor Justin, but even Steph to kind of speak into our life in this crazy church planning season. Um, and, And I love the relationship that Justin has kind of spoken into our life with. He's not like, you know, super soft and tender, like, it's okay. He's kind of like, buck up, buttercup, life's tough. So are you, let's go. And I love that because we see a character in the pages of Scripture by the name of Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle had a relationship with this kid named Timothy. He referred to Timothy as his son in the faith, and as Paul was going around pouring into churches, he wrote not one but two letters to Timothy, his son in the faith, encouraging him. In fact, in the pages of Scripture, Paul the Apostle not just wrote to Timothy this, but a reminder for the church back in the day, and dare I say today, that the life of the Christian isn't going to be easy. It's not a life on vacation on a beach sipping a frothy beverage with an umbrella kicking up our feet. The life of a Christian is that of a warrior. In fact, when Paul wrote to the church, he said, no, 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 we have to be soldiers ready for battle because life is war. We've got to get in it. In fact, he says, hey, the life of a follower of Christ is that of a farmer where we're planting seeds and sowing the ground. The life of a Christian is that of an athlete where we run to win. You want to inherit the prize. And now Paul is writing to his son in the faith, and his second letter to Timothy. And we're not gonna be camping there. If you brought your Bibles, your notebooks, I want you to pull it out. The title of today's word is Worship as Warfare. And as you pull out your notebooks, your pens, your Bibles, your wigs, and your weaves, this is what I want us to know today, is that when Paul was talking to Timothy, he was letting him know, baby boo, this is our life. He didn't really say that, but in the BIV, the Bianca International version, that's basically what I I read. When I read 2 Timothy chapter two, Verses 8 and 9, he tells his son of the faith, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. Now, that phrase, descended from David, that's a messianic throwback. That's like, know who King David was. King David, the lineage from King David, was that Messiah was going to be from his family. So, when he's talking about Jesus Christ, he's saying, remember the one that was prophesied by your daddies, 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 daddies. Well, Timothy was actually half Greek, so his daddy wasn't, but it sounds good when you talk about it. Like, remember the one who was prophesied before. And then he says, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But, but, somebody say, but. Church, I like big butts and I cannot lie. Every time that there is a but in the Bible, I am reminded but God. But God's word is not changed. Now, Paul is not writing to Timothy as, as this 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 word for memory's sake. No, it's for clarity's sake. Remember, remember who it is that we serve. Remember that this person was raised from the dead. Remember that this person is descended from David. Now, if you know me, I love some Pauline scripture. I love me some Paul. He is my Bible boyfriend. And you can have me teach out of Leviticus and I will still sprinkle in some Paul, okay? And so Paul as my Bible boyfriend, as he encouraged Timothy back then, I believe that his words today, and dare I say his life, will encourage us in this crazy season what might feel like an emotional war, a psychological war that you're waging, a spiritual war that you're waging, a financial war that you're waging. I want us to know how to worship as our warfare. See, context is everything. Before we jump into Acts chapter 16, you should be in Acts chapter 16, I want us to understand that when Paul was writing to Timothy, his son in the faith, he was writing in chains to Timothy. And so when he says, Though I might be in chains, the word of God is not in chains. This would have been a throwback. Y'all, context is everything. Because Timothy was with Paul the first time that Paul went to jail. Now, Paul's a little gangster. Yes, he was a learned man, an educated man, man with wherewithal and finances and pedigree and all that, but he was. He also spent some time in, in jail. I like him, I feel like he's like a G. And so we pick up this story in Acts chapter, that's a gangster for those that don't know. What is a G? It's a gangster, it's okay, it's okay. In Acts chapter 16, we hear, here, we're gonna pick up the story and there's four characters. It's Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke, who is the author of the book of Acts. And we're gonna pick this up in chapter 16, verse 17. Now, here is some context of what's going on. Uh, They roll into a city called Philippi, and it was a city that had multiple gods, but there was a fortune teller who was demon-possessed, a young girl who was a fortune teller who was demon-possessed. And this is what the Bible documents for us in verse 17. The words that fell out of this girl's mouth are these. These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. These are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now, my, 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 my hesitation and my fear is that when you read that, that we read it kind of basic that we read it kind of boring. Like we're the type of people that wear beige khakis and eat vanilla ice cream. That's not how I want us to read the Bible. I want us to go into the pages of scripture and actually have this character come to life. Because when we hear demon-possessed fortune teller, I don't want you to think of some sane, educated, well-wherewithal woman, okay? She is screaming, these are servants! Clack <laughs> These are servants! <laughs> these, are servants the these are servants of the most high God! These are servants of the most high God! These are servants of the most high God! They'll tell you which way to go. They'll tell I way to go. Scripture says that she did this day after day after day. Like how annoying would that be? And some of you, some of you, I'm gonna ask a question. I don't want you to respond, but have you ever been around someone who is demon possessed? If you've been around teenagers or worked in youth ministry, yes, yes you have, okay. Cause I have a six-year-old stepson and there are times where I lay hands on this sucker and I'm like, Lord, touch him before I do, okay? Like, do something. May the spirit and the oppression of bad grades and attitude get off of him. I will look at him and say, I may not have brought you into this world, but baby, I will take you out, okay? And yes, I have to look up to him because he's six three. I don't care, okay? I may be short, but God look, ghetto in me. Uh-uh. Paul. You know, he's not like, oh, come sit here with me, sister. No, he says, shut thy mouth. I rebuke you and the demons in you and the demons fled. Well, what happened was is that this kind of put him in a precarious situation because scripture says that she was a slave. And the slave owners in verses 18 to 20, they're very upset about this. And look, we pick this up in verse 19. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain, AKA money, AKA dinero was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them to the marketplace before the rulers. So in verse 20, we're told that he's put before the magistrates and the political people the time to make a judgment. So this is a difficult, precarious situation that Paul finds himself in. Now jump down to verse 22. After being reported to the Roman authorities, this is what happens. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. I know this might feel far from us because I don't think many of us in this room understand the weight of being stripped and beaten, but I know that there are metaphorical times where we feel stripped and exposed and beaten and abused, even while you're doing good things for God. Even when you find yourself saying, God, I'm doing everything right. Why is everything so wrong? Um, I, I know Pastor Justin mentioned this, but two years ago, we just celebrated two years as a church at Father's House Orange County, and Pastor Justin and Steph have been so critical in this journey. But prior to Justin being our coach, um, we met with a local pastor in our area, one that we looked up to, to kind of share the vision of like, hey, we're going to be opening the church in a couple months, and this is what we believe that God has kind of laid on our hearts. And... I don't know what I was expecting when I walked into that meeting, but we sat down at this long conference table and Matt kind of shared the strategy of what we were planning to do. And I kind of shared like the heart and the, 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 the ethos of what we wanted to do in the house that we wanted to create. And the pastor just stone faced said, well, you can't lose. And I was like, mm, is that in my head? I'm thinking, is that like you can't lose because you're awesome? Or is that like you can't lose because you'll suck? Now, I understood our vision was big. I understood that what God had showed Matt and I, it sounded impossible because we had no team, we had no building, we had no finances, we had nothing, okay? And the irony behind this is that I always said I was never going to church plant. I always said I was never gonna be in ministry. And I always said I was never gonna marry a pastor. And I'm doing all of that. So now I'm hip to God's game. Now I'm saying I will never have a six pack. I will never own a mansion. Never, because I know your game, God. <laughs> be careful what you tell God, you will never do. We, we in this conversation, the, the, the pastor looked at us and said, well, you can't fail because it will be a direct reflection of the years of ministry that you guys have been putting in and whether or not you adequately heard from God. And then he looked at me and said, and it will be a bad reflection on you of the last 10 years of ministry that you've been doing. And At the end, I didn't know what to say. Like, do I say, like, oh, thank you, you know? And it just kind of ended with an anemic and plethe, like, well, blessings upon you. And uh, Matt and I drove separately, so I got into my car, and I turned on my car, and there was music. It was worship music playing, when I got into the car, and it was Elevations, Do It Again. And the lyrics of the song go, I've seen you move, you've moved the mountains, and I believe that you'll do it again. And as the worship began just to bathe over my heart and over my mind I began to hear the phrase you can't fail you can't fail you can't fail echo and ricochet in my mind but the intonation and the inflection began to change as the Spirit of God reminded me oh no you can't fail you cannot fail because God doesn't fail you cannot fail because the spirit in you has called you to this you cannot fail because his church doesn't fail and I began to say I cannot fail come hell and high water we cannot fail there is not a man on earth, there's not a demon in hell that's going to stop God's word from going forth or building the church. And maybe in this season of life, maybe you feel stripped and beaten in a different way. Maybe 2020 was the year that you were going to start your business. Maybe you felt like, oh, this is the year that we're going to expand. And then coronavirus happened. Maybe you feel like you had to take care of your parents and you finally found adequate housing for them in an elderly community providing great medical care and then all of a sudden their health is compromised because no longer can you visit them and there's other things going on. Maybe, maybe you find yourself it being stripped and beaten, exposed by people who you thought were friends. Maybe in this season, your marriage feels stripped and beaten, but the person that you vowed to love and to hold, to cherish from this day forth Feels like someone Do you wanna put in the grave. Or the prayers that you prayed of like, Lord, please give me a woman, please give me a man. And now you're praying, God, why did you give me that woman? God, why'd you give me that man? You ever had those moments where you feel stripped and beaten and there will be those moments, whether we're beaten down in finances, whether we're beaten down in relationships or friendships, or even our faith, but child of God, you cannot fail because he who started a good work in you is faithful. He is faithful. He is faithful. Church, we were singing the song before and I don't want us to be a church where we just sing about faithfulness. We talk about faithfulness. We think about faithfulness. We read about his faithfulness. I want to be a church that believes in the faithfulness of God. He has not brought us this far to only leave us here. Now, here's the thing. If if our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was beaten and stripped and Paul the Apostle was beaten and stripped, guess what, church? There's going to be moments in life where you feel beaten and stripped. Why? Because there is an oppressor that wants to stop you from inheriting the fullness of what God has called you to. Oh, you don't fit in? Maybe the Lord has called you to stand out. Oh, Why is this happening to you? Maybe this is the very thing that the Lord needed to do to shake up what was already in you, loose to step into the destiny that God has called you to. So when the junk hits the fan, remember Jesus descended from David, raised from crucifixion. And guess what? It's always darkest before the dawn. Look at verse 23. After, after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet. So according to verse 24, where did the jailer put them, church? I don't know about our Sanford location or our South Orlando campus, but hey, this I believe that you said it out loud and though I cannot hear you, the spirit of God can. So church, the answer is sell. Hey, where did the jailer, jailer put Paul and Silas? Oh, praise the Lord. There we go, Bible scholars. Yes. And the word cell is singular, not plural, meaning multiple. It's singular. The jailer put two men in one cell, and that was the jailer's fatal flaw, church. You want to know why? Because the word of God says where two or three are gathered, he is there in the mist. He is there in the mist. The question I'm asking is, who are you surrounding yourself with in the season that might feel very, very isolated? Somebody better not come with me talking about, you know, coronavirus is haphazard. It's happenstance. It's coincidence. I'm telling y'all, the enemy is on the move. And the enemy's tactic from the beginning of time is to keep you isolated from the people of God, to keep you segregated from the people of God, to keep you on the outside of the people of God. We are wearing masks. We are isolated. We cannot hug. We cannot touch. We cannot lay hands. We cannot anoint. Tell me that's not a tactic of the enemy. See, what I am come here to tell you today is when you war, when you battle, do not do it in isolation. Do not fight your battles in isolation. You cannot win at this game alone. I'm seeing so many spiritual Eeyores out there. Oh, well, the Lord has forsaken us. Oh, life just stinks. Can you believe it? Why can't America get their life together? Stop it, child. And God, pick your head up. If you ain't dead, God ain't done, all right? The righteous fall seven, get back up eight, okay? Get back up. Stop living your life in isolation. And here's the beautiful thing. The jailer tried to put them in one cell together to, isol- or to keep them together. And the tactic of the enemy is to keep them isolated. See, but no one keeps baby in a corner. No one puts Jesus in a box. No one can restrain or contain a move of God. And Silas and, and, and Paul were together. Don't fight the enemy in isolation. You're feeling down and out yet with God's people. If we look at verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening. Scripture tells us um, that it was late in the midnight hour late in the midnight hour, so it had to be dark. So go there in the theater of your mind. It is a cell, it's a dark, dank, cold cell. Maybe there's some light coming in from the stars or the moon through the windows of the prison, but most likely the prison was underground, so it was, it was cavernous and it was cold. And here, Paul and Silas, fettered and shackled like common criminals, are in a cell and they're singing. That's a testament to me because in life's toughest times, I don't know if my first reaction is to praise the Lord. I want it to be. As we learn from Paul and Silas, when we worship as our warfare, I battle when I praise. I battle when I praise. Now, ever since I was little, I wondered, what did Paul and Silas sing? Do you ever wonder that? I I, I wonder, Scripture says that they sang hymns, but like, what hymns did they sing? Now, I don't know about you, but when I go there in the theater of my mind, I'm like, oh, I better, you better believe they were singing some Kirk Franklin, Martha Munizzi, Late in the Midnight Hour, Fred Hammond. Yes, that's some gospel music. And some people are like, I have no idea what that is. (laughs) It's like Hillsong, but for brown people. Okay, there you go. There you go. You got it, right? And if you don't know who Kirk Franklin or Martha Munizzi or anybody like that is, you most definitely know Tasha Cobb. My sister Tasha, ooh. When Tasha sings, that, just the heavens open. And in my mind's eye, it's Paul and Silas, and they're probably exhausted, and yet they're praising God. Maybe Paul, seated, worshiping the Lord, starts with the chorus of to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. And this Silas stands up says, key change, Paul. And Paul stands up and says, I hear the chains falling. And all the inmates are like, who is that? What is going on? Okay, we're praising. Who we praising? All right, they're looking around, and all of a sudden, people are like super confused. Wait a minute, these people that were beaten and bludgeoned are standing and praising God. Listen, some joker in here, some joker on the online campus, is like, "Oh, she was really off key." <laughs> My praise is in direct proportion to the prison that God has pulled me from. So I will sing like I'm Aretha. I will sing like I'm Tasha. I will sing like I'm Kira. I don't care. I'm gonna put a praise on it. I'm gonna put a praise on it. By the way, you didn't. Bring me here to sing, okay? (laughs) We have Pastor Chris for that. Thank you for leading us, Chris. No. So as we worship as our warfare, I want us to take these three points that we find through scripture. Now, these are not three easy preaching points. I'm pulling these out of the life and times of Paul and Silas, all right? I'm gonna let scripture preach scripture. If you're a note taker in the house, this is what I want you to write down. For us to learn how to worship as our warfare, number one, get with God's people. Are you in a small group? Are you taking your next step? Are you Have you taken action steps? Are you re- ready to build and to give to the house, to the opening of future campuses? Because hope rises when we come together. Faith is fostered when we come together. Courage is found when we come together. Healing is found when we're together. Now, I'm a big proponent for everyone watching online. Put a little love in the chat box. We're so excited that you're here. I believe that through technology, we are reaching more people than we ever could before, but do not forsake the fellowship of the brethren. Now, if technology is your only option, it is your best option. If there is an option for you to come to the house of God, there is power when we come together. There is, it's scriptural. There's power when we come together. And maybe you don't feel comfortable yet, but I'm believing that as you learn to worship as your warfare, that the Lord will begin to cultivate you, to even invite neighbors to your house. If you don't feel comfortable going out, what does it look like to open up your house, to watch church online with your friends, with your family, to get into community? Because Paul was in chains, but I firmly believe that that was a beautiful sense of freedom. Yes, he was imprisoned, but he was free because where the spirit of the Lord is church, there is freedom. Thank you. Yes. Look at verse 26. Suddenly there was uh, such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. All at once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. If you're a note taker, point number two is sometimes you have to fight to see others set free. Sometimes you have to fight to, set, to let others be set free. See, God set the prisoners free by shaking the foundation. Shaking the foundation. I'm from California, so we do earthquakes there. Let me tell you something. There is nothing more terrifying than the ground beneath you shaking. Terra firma, when terra firma is not hard ground. What do you do when the proverbial earthquakes of life shake you? When you feel like the thing that you once stood upon that was so sure has become shaken? the finances that you thought you would have, the job that you would thought that you had, the marriage you thought that you had, the children that you thought that you had, the education that you relied upon, the dreams, goals, visions, aspirations, what happens when that all is shaken? In this season, in this season of craziness, what do we do? I I can't help but share kind of church uh, journeys with the church, because I feel like you guys have not only financially sown into our church, but you've shared the wisdom of your pastor with our church. So my updates are your updates. So let me give you a little update about our church. Uh, it has been such a crazy season. Uh, our church just celebrated two years old, praise the Lord, but we had sick, We had to move six times in two years. It was not easy, and it was not cute. It, it really wasn't. In fact, I kind of allegorized um, corona as like a gangster like she her name is rona and she got hoop earrings and she's just coming to get you okay she's coming to get you ah like she is coming for us and i've got like okay i love jesus but i will cut somebody okay so like all this time i'm like we got it we got it it's okay it's all good okay we're hit one way we are this mobile venue it's all good we're hit one way oh we have a new location it's all good then rona happened and the location that we met at is she she, she she, she's she's interesting. I I allegorize her as a woman too. She's she's a little busted, but we make her look beautiful with some pipe and drape and some scent machines and all that other stuff. But let me tell you, there would be days where we would roll into church unknowingly what we were going to discover and find there. So we rented this venue as an event space, and there were times where we rolled in and we discovered that there were homeless people actually living in our utility closet. Um, we discovered on multiple occasions. Um, little rodents, which was always super fun. We also discovered um, one day during the Dream Team setup that uh, it was probably like 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, we're pulling out and I was told by the Dream Team that like some gangsters approached him, they're like, hey, where you from? And I was like, oh no, 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 we love Jesus, but we can be thug too. We're from the east side of the kingdom, okay? So you either get in or get out, all right? (laughs) Turn or burn, baby boo, Uh uh-uh, you mess with the road church, all right? Then there was another time, um, one of my favorites was, you know, coming into the pastor's room and finding drug paraphernalia, alcohol bottles, razor blades, um, weaves, and yes, weaves, weaves. It's okay, Karen. If you don't know what a weave is, it's fake hair. All right. So I'm finding all of this stuff there and I'm thinking, what on earth is this? But my favorite Sunday, and by favorite, I mean totally not favorite, was the Sunday that we rolled in Saturday at the event center, um, the thunder from down under. Magic Mike and all of his friends, if you know what I'm talking about, came on the platform that I was about to preach the word of God and gyrated with body oil. There was body oil on the floor. I came into church with Lysol and anointing oil, okay? I'm bending down and I'm wiping this up like, Jesus, you picked the wrong girl. You picked the wrong girl. This is not what you called us to. This is not my life. I did not sign up for this. What do you do when the ground beneath your feet are shaking? What do you do when what was so sure is unsteadied? What happens when what you see in the spiritual isn't what you see right now? What happens with what, you're he- with what you hear isn't your here? What do you do then? Like Paul and, and, and encouraging his son in the faith. I want to pull a page out of Paul's playbook and I want to have a conversation with the enemy. And you've tried to silence me, but I will still declare the goodness of God. You have tried to keep me shackled in fear that we will not make it, but I will still praise the Lord. You tried to tell me that the best is behind us and that humiliation awaits us. And I'm here to tell you that God is still on the throne and we are going to move forward. Remember Jesus descended from David, raised from the dead. Everyone's chains came loose. The third and last thing I want us to hold on to as we worship as our warfare, as we worship to gain ground in the battlefield, as we worship as it's our armory, in these moments we need to learn how to worship wherever. Worship wherever. Because we're gonna find ourselves in some spiritual, metaphorical, and maybe even relational prisons. What do you do there? Do you just give up and say, oh, I'm destitute, I'm alone, nobody cares for me? No, we need to learn how to worship wherever. And I say this because we opened up our second campus, seven months into church planning, we opened up our second campus in a local prison. Now, prior to this, I'd always been involved with prison ministry. And let me tell you that the praise and worship that I have seen coming out of prison has been greater than some of the mega churches that I have seen across the world. And it's not because they're a captive audience though, But they're really worshiping the Lord because like Cory Tim Boom says, you never know that God is all you need until God is all you have. And these men are worshiping and believing and praising a good God. One of these men's names was Jeremiah. Jeremiah came on the very first day that we opened up our campus. And we had greeters and we had ushers and we had live worship. And he was in the presence of God. And he was so moved. That when the invitation of salvation went forward and we invited him to raise his hand, like we're gonna invite many people online in this room at our campuses to raise their hand, he raised his hand and he said that he wanted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Well, he went back to his cell and he told his cellmate, Nick, hey, you have to come with me. There's a church here in prison. You got to come with me. So Nick and Jeremiah went to church the next week and Nick raised his hand and he said that he wanted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Then they went back to their cell pods and they started inviting people in their pods to come to church and people were encountering Jesus. My favorite part of this story is that Nick called his father, who's not incarcerated, called his dad and said, dad, I've been going to church. And this church is called the Father's House, and and guess what? We can watch the same services because they have their services on YouTube. Well, his dad started watching the church services, and his dad said yes to Jesus. So one conversation that one of our volunteers had with Jeremiah, he asked Jeremiah, hey, man, like, how'd you end up here? Jeremiah's like, well, it's kind of a funny story. Uh, I robbed a church. So this man robbed a church, got sent to prison, he encounters Jesus in prison, and this man goes to his cell and his pod and begins to be an evangelist. Just like his namesake Jeremiah in the Bible that before he was on this earth and in his mother's womb, the Lord named him, that is the declaration that I spoke over this man's life, that he was going to bring revival into the darkest of places. Can you learn to worship wherever you are? I don't care what pit of despair you're in, stand up and God, I don't care the financial despair that you are in. Stand up and worship God. I don't care the state of your marriage. Stand up and prophesy like Ezekiel did over dry bones and praise God. Your child is wayward. You praise God in advance for your child finding its way home like the prodigal son. You stand up and you worship God. I give you my voice. I give you my life. I give you my promise. And how? How can we? How can we worship in life's darkest and deepest times? I firmly believe. Paul and Silas, like the inmates at our Norco prison campus, knew that they were free before they were freed. Their praise wasn't predicated by pain. They worshiped God because he was worthy of praise. They kept singing bloody, bruised and bludgeoned, and so should we, church. Freedom, our freedom is gonna take place in the shaking. And I don't say this to pontificate some preaching point, I say this with a final update from our church. Uh, on, on a Monday morning after preaching online, uh, last minute because we lost our venue and there was a breakout of COVID at our church. It was a, it was a rough weekend. On that Monday morning, I roll over on to my husband laying next to me and I said, I think that God picked the wrong people. I don't think that we should do this. I don't think that we could do this. This isn't, this. we, we didn't hear from God. I said, we have pulled the weeds. We've removed the rocks, we've tilled the ground, we've planted the seeds. But if there is no rain, if there is no rain, our labor is in vain. Because I don't wanna manufacture a move of God. God is the one to send the rain, God is the one to do it. And Matt, man of faith that he is, he says, we're gonna praise God and we're gonna believe that God's gonna provide, even when it looks like the darkest of times. The very next day, Matt called me. They were doing a site venue at an empty abandoned 50,000 square foot movie theater, and he said, B, don't get excited, okay, don't get excited, whenever my husband says don't get excited, I have reason to be excited, (laughs) and he said, "Um, I think you should come and check out this movie theater, and I said, wait, the 50,000 square foot one on Bird Street with all the restaurants and the ample parking that's free, that one, he said, yes, so I drive down, I got my praise pants on, I'm ready to party, it's gonna be a turn up. I walk in and my husband's like, Bianca, don't get excited. I walk in and on the wall to the left of me is a 75 foot painting of the 1943 Gene Kelly film, Dancing in the Rain. Church, let me tell you something, the Spirit of God said, this is the rain. I turned to my husband and I said, this is my house, this is my house, I'm gonna lick the door handles, I'm gonna lick the windows, this is our house. And of course he said, calm down. But church, I gotta tell you, guess who happened? a house? Guess who has a house? Can you worship? like it's your weapon can you worship God in advance can you worship even when you feel like it is the darkest of nights because when we worship God we put a praise on it when we put a praise on it we give him the worth the worth that he is due so when we praise at the end of this song if the walls don't shake if we don't hear the online campus from here in Winter Park if we don't even hear the future Oviedo campus if we don't even hear South Orlando if we don't hear Sanford then God on the throne is gonna be like wake up church wake up we're gonna put a praise on it in advance for what God is going to do. But this is my favorite praise. This is why all day yesterday I felt so heavy. I felt heavy and I couldn't put my finger on it. I felt heavy because I believe that the enemy wanted to stop the work that he's going to do specifically online for those watching online who have never said yes to Jesus. Someone shared this message with you, you listened on a podcast, or maybe you're in a building, you're in a physical location. You your mom dragged you, you lost a bet, somehow you're here at church. I have been waging war for you. I have been praising God in advance for the freedom that you will find. Because Jeremiah might have been in prison, but you, my friend, you're about to get set free. You're about to get set free so that you sh- you can worship God in the fullness of the life, the destiny, the promise that he has given you. So if you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never said yes to Jesus, today is the day of salvation. We're gonna give you that opportunity here at all locations and online. Maybe. Maybe you at one point were walking with the Lord, but you have turned your back from God. Today is the day to repent. That means come back to God. Turn around, come back to God. If that is you, whoever you are, wherever you're at, at any location and online, I'm going to count to three and you're going to boldly raise your hand. You're not raising your hand so I can see it. You're raising your hand to declare to God that you are choosing him as your Lord and Savior. So one, by raising your hand, you are saying, I want Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Two, by raising your hand, you believe that your mistakes and your failures, your sin could be forgiven because of what Jesus did on Calvary. And three, the same spirit that resurrected him from the grave is alive in you like Romans 8 tells us. If that is you here and in all our low campus campus locations. One, two, three. Will you raise your hand? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Everybody online, everyone at our campuses, God bless you. God bless you. Raise your hand high to declare, I want Jesus to see. I want Jesus to see. He is my Lord and Savior. You're changing your family, my brother. You're changing generations. Your children and your children's children will be blessed because of your decision. So if you said yes to Jesus, this is what we want you to do, especially for our online community. You might be sitting there alone, but you are not alone. You might feel in this room, surrounded by people, that you are alone, you are not alone. Church, can we declare to those who've made this decision that we stand with them? Can we stand to our feet? And we'll, I'm gonna invite you to pray this prayer of faith with me at all of our locations, online and in this room. Will you repeat Jesus? Let's do that again, church. When I say it, you repeat after me so we can encourage those that are making this declaration. Can we all say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Today I choose you as my Lord and Savior. Cleanse my heart. Cleanse my mind. Cleanse my conscience. Fill me with your spirit to do what only you could do. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Church, can we welcome here in all locations those that said yes to Jesus? Let's celebrate.